just want to say thank you so much to all that made Fall Fest last Sunday. Just an incredible time of just gathering together, having some fun with the kids, and most of all, just worshiping God and learning from the Word of God, right? Just some quick uh, things that happened over Fall Fest last Sunday. We do this every year, by the way. If you're a guest with us, we just try to get everybody together in community and just celebrate with some awesome food. So 750 people were here on our campus last Sunday, which is huge for our church. That's great. Um, 115 team members serve. That is what gets my motor going, is everybody's just jumping in and saying, hey, we're ready to serve. We had 80 new families that were guests of MVCC, so we're just really grateful for that. Um, 800 meals, a lot of food, Texas barbecue, yeah. 400 cotton candies, oh my goodness, 650 snow cones, and those that we at least know of, two people gave their lives to Jesus Christ last weekend, so that is the best thing that happened, so... Once again, just thank you so much for making that happen. Um, These numbers are just really kind of markers for us. You know, um, if you've been here a while, it's not about numbers. That's all about people. And we just want people, everybody, to have an opportunity to know God and then to really grow in our faith. Today, we're in the middle of a series called Unshakable Faith. And today's word that God gave me as I was studying this text and going over it is the word test. So it got real quiet in here now, didn't it? I'm remembering when I uh, was going to Bible seminary, um, I'd really felt that after I got saved about six months into knowing Jesus, that he was pulling me, um, just prompting my heart to serve him full time. And every time I would come to worship at our church at the time, I would watch my pastor. I would try and hang around leaders because I just felt like I wanted to get closer in, you know, to where Jesus is really working. And I was just kind of rubbing shoulders with some of our leaders. And I thought every time I was with them, I just kind of felt like, gosh, I feel like I'm supposed to do that. And so um, time was just progressing. And so um, I graduated from high school. My youth pastor says, hey, I think it'd be really good for you. Um, I've been praying for you. I think it'd be really good for you to think about going into serving Jesus full time. And I'm like, no way. That's awesome. I was thinking the same thing. So I said, well, what do I do now? He says, well, probably be good to go to college and go to seminary. So I remember um, signing up here at Hope International University. And um, I, I love, you know, the classes. Some of them are like the Book of Romans. Some of them are like the New Testament theology, Old Testament theo. And then there were some ministry leadership classes that were really, really helpful. But I will confess to you that one of the things I hated was taking tests. I would much rather, when you look at the syllabus for the first day of class, I mean, I'd get really stoked if there's like, you know, 15 essay papers to do and maybe one or two tests. I'd be like, oh, cool, I can do this. But when I saw like, you know, a test every week or every other week, I'd start to sweat, feel like ants are crawling all over my body. How am I going to study for this? Go back to the dormitory. And when there was a test coming up, everything that we learned and everything, that we read, I mean, I would have to study like oh, an entire week in advance. And then I was up all night studying the night before. That's just me. So I, I absolutely hated the test. But I will tell you this. After the test was taken, and then I would get that grade back, and I think, oh, man, I did okay on that one. There was kind of a relief. Here's a question I have for all of us. Following Jesus, sometimes God gives us a test. I, I'm sure that mo- some of you could probably say, well, gosh, you know what, Mike? I feel like my whole life is a test. My whole life has been a test. And the thing that I've come to grips with and I really just made peace with is without a test, there cannot be a testimony. 
There is no easy street in following Jesus. In fact, when you read the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we really see that Jesus entered into a lot of conflict. There was a lot of decision-making. There were people that were literally in opposition against him. People trying to entrap him, kill him, take his own life, try to discredit him, trumped up lies about Jesus. I mean, he was kind of used to all of that. And then the saddest thing about all that, when I look at Jesus' life, is most of the hits that came to Jesus were from the religious world. It was from the church. It was from people on the inside that hated him because they loved to have all the attention on them. And when Jesus came to talk about love and forgiveness, and he was just real with the people, walking down the streets of Jerusalem, miracles, teaching, all of those things, they didn't like him. And so they came to a place where they said, we've got to get rid of him. Now, along the way, as people were following Jesus... You know, it's really, it's really rich to look back. We want to look forward, but we also want to look back at what made some of the greats before Jesus was on earth. It says like Hebrews 11, by faith, Abraham, by faith, Enoch, by faith, Moses. Let's read in that 11th chapter of Hebrews. It's an amazing chapter. It talks about just the hall of faith of all these These people that followed God and they just didn't hold anything back. And the thing that I love about that 11th chapter is every single one of those people in there, men and women, they did not have it all together. They didn't have their lives, everything in an order. They just said, God, here am I. Send me, God. I put my faith in you, God. Whatever you're calling me to do, I'll do it, God. Abraham was that guy. Abraham was the man. Abraham was a Jewish person. He married a lady named Sarah, and they were the, just follow with me on a timeline. It was looking back at what we're going to do in Genesis chapter 22. God needed to start start a race of people called the Jewish nation, the Israelites. And because it was so important, because God saw on the timeline that that thousands of years later, Jesus would be born. He knew that you would be sitting 2,021 years later. He knew that you'd be sitting right here in this very room. And so God wanted you not only to hear the message, but to embrace it, to have an unshakable faith in Jesus Christ. So I had to start somewhere. So he says, I found a man who has faith in me. In fact, it says in the Bible that Abraham believed God. He had faith in God. And it was credited to him as righteousness. God poured his righteousness into Abraham when God says, God, God, I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'll go wherever you want me to go. That was Abraham's heart. You know what I want so much for MVCC? For us to be people of unshakable faith. I love the fact that you're here. I love the fact that you're watching online. We should gather together regularly to worship him. We were created to worship God. We were created to learn from his word, to get pumped up and encouraged, also to learn something, to grow in the grace and the knowledge in the son of God. Well, I want more than anything else when we walk out of this room to say, yes, I'm planting my stake in the ground. I am going to live a life that's unshakable faith in Jesus Christ. No matter how difficult it is, no matter how easy it is, I want a faith like Abraham. So turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11. We're just going to take a a quick look at Hebrews 11. Just going to read verses 8 through 12. I I, want to revisit why Abraham had this unshakable faith. Because he had a test that he went through that was probably the most difficult test in all of the Bible, I believe. And I hope and pray that at the end of these few moments together... Any test that you may be undergoing or maybe a test in the future, God, you've given me something to do to go through that test and I want you to pass. 
the test that God takes us through. So by faith, Abraham, when called to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. Basically, God said to Abraham, I'm gonna send you to a place. Pack up your stuff, dude. We are going. You've gotta trust me. And of course, Abraham did that very thing. By faith, we understand all of this took place. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him in the same promise. For we, for he who was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God, and by faith even Sarah, his wife, who was past childbearing age, was unable to bear children because she considered him faithful who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. Let's go back just a little precursor before we now get into Genesis chapter 22. Abraham was a man who had unshakable faith. In Genesis 22, verse 1, it says, after these things. We'll read it in just a second, but I want to go back to what that phrase means, after these things. What is he talking about? After these things, which we just read about in Hebrews chapter 11, looking back on a man who had faith in, in, in God at the time and was an unshakable faith. God took him out in the middle of nowhere. We'll just put this up on the slide here to get a, catch a glimpse of maybe what it's like. Took him out in the middle of the night and says, Abraham, man, I want you to come out and just gaze upon the heavens. I want you to see the stars. You can't even count how many stars. There's billions of them out there. And I want this to be an illustration to you. I want this to scream at your heart that I'm going to use you and Sarah to populate the earth. And even more than that, I'm gonna give you a race of people that I'm gonna carry through that bloodline all the way through the Old Testament because one day the son of God, my son, is gonna be born to the Virgin Mary and it's gonna start with you, Abraham, but I need you to trust me. And can you imagine looking out in the middle of the heavens and God speaking? I mean, what a moment. And Abraham is willing to say, yes, God, I will trust you. I will do what you've asked me to do. Even as difficult as it is, God, I trust you. So let's turn over now to Genesis chapter 22. And if you don't have your Bibles, it's okay. You can just look on your smartphone. You can just look up here on the screen. We'll have it up for you. The 22 verse one says, same time later, some time later, God tested Abraham. Now he's been walking with God. He's left the Ur of the Chaldees going to a land that he doesn't know and God's got him exactly where he wants him. And now there's a test that's coming. Abraham, he said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. And then God said, take your son, your one and only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. I want you to sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain that I will show you. I got to be honest with you. Um, When Abraham came through barreling the front door and said to Sarah, Sarah, we're going to have a baby. I got to think that when these these accounts were written down in the Bible, that there must have been something inside of Abraham. The humanity of Abraham wasn't just, okay, I'll do it, whatever you say, God. I think there was some wrestling there. I think there was some conflict within him. 
Like, how in the world is going to happen? My wife is in her 80s. How are we going to have a kid? And I've already got a guy named Eleazar from Damascus. He's going to be my successor. He's going to be the descendant to take on. So God, what are you talking about, Isaac? We, we can't do this. And I just, I don't know. I don't know if Abraham just walked through that door and he said, we're going to have a kid. And I love what the Bible says because it says that Sarah laughed. She was laughing. She was in hysterics. We can't have a kid. We're in our 80s. I, I, don't, know about, I don't know about you, but this just brings the humanity back to the scripture for me. It helps me to understand a little bit more that when God calls us to go through a test, there's something that he wants to purge out of my life. Maybe some doubt, maybe some worry, maybe some conflict of, you know, I really don't want to do this, God. I don't understand everything. And even though there's some conflict, Having the unshakable faith doesn't mean that I don't wrestle with something. Abraham and Sarah wrestled. There was some conflict there. I believe that. And so just as they were looking down the corridor of life, there's a test that's coming. Years had passed. If you've read the account of Abraham and Sarah, um, they got a little bit ahead of themselves. They were waiting, and they were waiting, and they were waiting, and no Isaac. So Sarah had a great idea. You know, I've got this maid servant. Servants, by the way, um, Abraham was this incredibly wealthy guy. He had livestock, he had money, he had land, he had everything that anybody could ever want as far as the world. But he knew even like there was something missing in his life, and that was God. And so God comes to him and gives him this incredible relationship. And that's why Abraham would say, God, yes, I'm following you. I put my faith and my trust in you. And so in the middle of all this, as they're waiting for the promise to come, Sarah says, you know, why don't you just have my maidservant? Because the Lord said, we're going to have a kid, but I can't have a kid. So you can have my maidservant and have a child with him. And that's how Ishmael now is born. Now, I just got to stop here and hit the pause button and say, in the middle of them jumping ahead of God, God still uses Abraham. You're sitting here thinking to yourself, you know what? There's no way I can have this unshakable faith. Mike, if, if I told you every rotten thing I've ever done, if I told you everything that's ever gone through my mind, if I told you every misstep, if I told you every time I jumped ahead of God, wanting to be faithful to God, but I blew it, man. I didn't pass the test. I just want to remind us that God uses imperfect people. He uses people that say, I messed up, God. Can you give me another chance? Of course I, I just love God for his unshakable love for every single one of us. And so, even though they misstepped, they stepped out of turn, God still kept his promises. You know, I just, I just want us to know that in the midst of, I know we're in the middle of all this division, we're in the middle, some of you are maybe in the middle of a test right now. Some of you maybe have been through some type of test. It may be physical. It might be a relational test. It might be even a faith crisis that you don't know if you can hold on. And I just want to say, even if you feel like you have not passed the test, God can still use you. He used Abraham. He used Sarah in the midst of all those questions and conflict and say, God, we've got this thing in our own hands. We know what we're doing. And I love God's patience and security for them. So, number one, if you're taking some notes, I, I hope this is some helpful help for you to take some notes. Faith is measured by movement. It doesn't do any good for us just to sit and say, yes, I believe. 
It, it, faith has got to have some movement, man. Faith has got to have some action. And so when God called Abraham, I want you to take all your stuff, pack it up, because we're going to a place I'm going to show you. He had to move. He had to get up. And that's why it says in verse 3 here, as we're following along in the text, very early the next morning, Abraham got up, loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. And when he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. That is huge right there. I, I don't know about you. I don't know if I could do this. I, I, just, I just want to be real, be very open and honest with you. I don't know if I can do it. And if I can be honest with you in sermons and Bible studies and things that I've heard about this, some of, the, some of the stuff that I've heard, they just make it sound like, well, Abraham just got up and did exactly what God said with no emotion, no passion, no conflict, no questions. I think he had a lot of questions. I think he had a lot of wrestling with him himself. I, I, I read some stuff about Siren Kierkegaard, which was like, he was a Christian Danish philosopher. And one of the reasons that I liked him, because he wrote with passion. He wrote not necessarily in a systematic way. I, I know that there's different writers and different styles, but I kind of identified with him because he wrestled with the strong stuff. He wrestled with the stuff, the deep feelings and emotions within him. And one of the reasons I love his writing is because he loved God with all his heart. And he was trying to work out stuff. And I will uh, just say that in the midst of his writing called Fear and Trembling, it was verse 3 that puzzled Siren Kierkegaard. How in the world could Abraham just take his one and only son, the promise? And we got to remember that when Abraham and Sarah held little Isaac in their hands, they were looking at the promise that God gave. Remember the stars? This promise was for future generations. This is huge. And now I'm supposed to take my one son that I love, the promise that God, you gave us in the middle of our 80s. You're asking me to take him up to a mountaintop and sacrifice him. I, I, I don't want to pass over this too lightly without stopping and feeling the emotions and some of the wrestling that Abraham and Sarah may have felt. And in his book, Fear and Trembling, he talks about a piano teacher in a small town that her passion and her life was Jesus Christ. And she felt like God gave her a gift and she taught piano and she loved it. And her students went from age, you know, eight to 80. Unfortunately, as her, her eight-year-old daughter contracted some disease, she had passed away. And one of her students came back a few weeks later and sitting down at the piano as he was teaching she was teaching him, and she, he asked the question. He said, how do you get through this? And he was maybe about 40, 50 years old, so he had been through difficulty in his life. And she said, you know what? This piano, I believe, was given to me by God. And sometimes when I play the piano, it releases within me this sorrow and this pain that I have to now deal with the test that God brought me, I want so much to pass the test. And she explained her piano was a way that God gave her that release. Can I just say when it says that Abraham went out to cut the wood, maybe the axe and the wood was the piano in his day for Abraham. As he's cutting this wood, chopping down this wood to carry up and even put on the back of his son Isaac, I, I, I just, maybe there were thoughts that went through his mind like, God, was that really you? I can't do this. This is my son. The promise. 
that for all Israel, the covenant would come through. I, I don't want to pass over that moment too quickly. So how is it that he could get up early in the morning and do this? Can I just share with you, I don't think he slept. Like a warrior going into battle, he's up all night thinking, worrying, figuring out, planning, strategizing. You don't sleep all night, but you're just five in the morning. You're up because you haven't slept all night. I think that was Abraham. I think he was up all night, didn't get a wink of sleep. Which leads to number two in our outline. What are we taking out of this text? When God calls you and me to the test, don't forget yesterday. Here, here's, here's how I think Abraham was able to do this. I don't think it was automatic. I don't think he was happy about it. I don't think he was just, well, God just told me to do it. I'm just going to do it. I think I just keep hammering this over and over again because if God is bringing you through a test, you want to pass the test because there's a testimony coming out of the test. Oh, yeah. God, you were faithful when we had Isaac. You took me out in the middle of the night. You showed me the stars. You told me that I was going to have a son. And you did, you did, God, say, or you did what you said you were going to do, God. I, I just, has God been good to you? Has God come through for you? And I don't mean God giving you everything you want because there's no way. That's not how life is. But in the midst of pain and difficulty and question, is God faithful? He gave you forgiveness of sins. He gave you the Holy Spirit. He gave you the promise of heaven. And yes, I know that life is sometimes difficult and it doesn't work out the way we want it to work out. But God is asking us to hold on with faith. If my faith isn't tested, I will not have an unshakable faith. How many of you believe that, oh my gosh, how much we need a revival again in our nation? In this little area of South County, how we need, once again, I was watching the movie Jesus Music. There was a friend of mine that I went with and maybe two or three other people in the movie out here in Regal Theaters and Foothill Ranch. And we went to that movie and I'll tell you what, I just wasn't that excited about it because Christian music is okay, but it's not like a big thing for me. What I loved about this movie was in the first 23 minutes of the movie, it showed how the Jesus movement through Calvary Chapel happened. And all these hippies started coming to Jesus and they were going into churches. And because they were going into churches, some of the people didn't like these hippies. Barefoot, they smelled, they didn't change their clothes, but man, these hippies loved Jesus and it showed pictures of Corona Del Mar. Man, thousands of hippies getting baptized into Jesus Christ. And, and society began to change. The church began to change because there was a fire that happened inside of that. But the church people were the ones that didn't accept these hippies. I got to remember what God you did yesterday. And God, I'm believing you're going to do something even better in the future. I believe in the midst of everything that we're going on, that our best days as far as the church are ahead of us, God. But we must have an unshakable faith saying, come hell or high water, I will follow you, God. I will do what you told me to do just like Abraham. What a great example for us. The cutting of the wood, I call this an invasion of superficiality. We're invading the superficial lifestyle of the OC. Everything's not always right. Everything's not always easy. Everything's not always just God how you, you, you said it was going to be. Sometimes it's difficult. Sometimes it's hard to say yes to God. Sometimes it's hard to follow through with faith. And God knows that. 
In verse 4, it says, let's just follow along here, chapter 22. We're continuing on in verse 4. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. And he said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. And we will worship and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. And he, he himself carried the fire and the knife. And the two of them went on together. I just want to stop here for a moment that, again, I don't want to hurry through this probably familiar story that maybe many of you who grew up in the church, this has become so familiar. But for three days, he looked up and he saw that mountain. And for three days, he had to walk with his son thinking about this, wrestling with this, and even, yes, going through with it. I still cannot reconcile in my mind and my heart how Abraham did this. But he did it. And that's why it's such a good example for whatever tests we are going through. God knows what he's doing. I just have to keep going back to the fact that without a test, man, there's not going to be a testimony that's powerful for someone else to know Jesus Christ in their life. Would you agree? Last Thursday, I had made a point to get to bed early because I had an early morning, Friday morning meeting, very early in the morning, 6 a.m. And so um, as I'm going up the stairs a little bit early to, to get ready to go to sleep that night, my wife said, can you come down a second? There's something wrong with the dog. And I said, what could be wrong with the dog? She says, she's sick. She's not, I just can tell there's something wrong. I said, well, where is she? And my wife at the time didn't even know. And so we looked out in the backyard and she had, uh, we have a golden retriever named Honey. And she went into one of the bushes and she started to lay, she was trying to find a place to lay down behind where the, the chairs were. And immediately there was a flashback that came to both of us because the previous golden retriever we had when she was passing away, you know how dogs kind of know and they go into an area just to kind of be by themselves to, to pass away. And immediately it brought that back up again. So she said, I think we need to take her to the hospital. We need to take her right now. And, so my wife, I said, okay, well, we'll get her in the car. Jonathan and I, my youngest son, we went and put her in the car. Now it's about midnight. And my wife had checked out all the animal hospitals that were open, and she pinned it to me as a text. And so when I pulled it up at the GPS when we were driving halfway down, I thought, oh, my gosh, cannot be true. We're not going to the same place. And I've only been to this place one time. It's off Crown Valley and Marguerite, where we took our other golden retriever when we had to make a decision to put her down. So we're going to the same place. The reason that I bring this up, and our, our dog, Honey, she's fine and everything. They got her some antibiotics. But the reason I'm bringing this up is this emotion that came up, difficulty to go back to a place. This is, this is a dog, but it was a part of our family. There was some emotions. That dog followed my wife when she had cancer. And she came home from the hospital. My, that dog would not leave my wife's side. And so there was just this attachment we had to this animal. I can't imagine taking my son to a place to sacrifice him. I, I, I can't imagine it. For three days. This was just a 12-minute drive to Crown Valley and Marguerite. For three days, going to a place called Mount Moriah. And now Isaac speaks. His son has some words. Verse 7, Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Abraham, Father, yes, my son. 
Abraham replied, fire in the wood, where's the sacrifice? And the fire and the wood are here. And Isaac said, but where's the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. You know, sometimes passing the test comes with a clenched fist. Son, God made a promise and I know he will provide. I don't think he thought there was going to be a ram in the thicket. I don't think he was thinking that. I think he was thinking, I have to go through with this because God told me to do this and I I have faith that I'm going to trust him that all this is going to work out. Sometimes when you're facing something that you feel like you cannot face, and when we clench our spiritual fists, and even if we cry out to God in our pain and confusion and questions, I had a brother tell me one time, God's shoulders are so big that he can handle my cry. He can handle my questions. He can even handle some of my frustrations and some of my fits, my spiritual fits that I give to God. And verse 9 and 10, when they reached the place God had told them about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it, and he bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. And then he reached his hand out and took the knife to slay his son. This is complete trust. I can't imagine the wood being laid down, putting my son down on top of that, and then pulling the knife out of the sheath and raising it up in that moment. I, I, I can't. What an unshakable faith. I'm so glad that it was recorded here because it gives us something to lean on. It gives us something to throw our stake in the ground and say, as difficult as life may be, as difficult as the situation is, I can't do this, God. God says, yes, you can. I will provide. I promise I will provide everything that you need, which leads to number three. God provided everything you need to pass the test. I know it feels like you can't do it. I know it feels like that mountain is too high. This wall is too big. This is too difficult. I just cannot do it. God provided within you his Holy Spirit. Acts 2.38, that's a promise. You've accepted Christ. You have the Holy Spirit in you. He promised you that your destination is not this world. So when this world is, is, is as difficult as it is with all of its pain and turmoil and crisis and division, this is not our home, man. Our home is citizenship is in heaven. And I'm so grateful that God gave us those promises. That's why we can have now an unshakable faith that God asks us to have. And I just talked to a brother last week and says, you're not going to believe what happened. I said, what? He said, I said something I shouldn't have said to somebody that I really cared about. And I know what God is telling me to do, to go back and make it right, but I don't want to. I can't do it. I said, bro, you can do it because Christ in you, the hope of glory, man. All he asks us to do is humble ourselves. And I know this may seem like this really difficult test and God will bring you through. If you pass the test, there will be a testimony. I guarantee you, God will use this. He will use this situation as difficult as it might be. So right in the middle of all this, as this knife is just being ready to be plunged down into his only son, the promise that God gave. I love this. An angel comes out of the sky and says, stop, Abraham, Abraham. 
God has found favor. Don't do this. Now I know that you have faith. You have passed the test. In that moment, that knife must have come out of Abraham's hand so, so fast, dropped to the ground, right? Are you with me with this? An angel of the Lord, I believe, comforted Abraham. And I think the very first thing he did is he grabbed his son and he said, oh God, oh God, oh God, thank you. Love you, son. I love you so much. I just, this is a moment in Abraham's life that it feels so good when we get that, that stamp of approval that we were able to pass the test. And Abraham was able to do it not because he didn't have struggles in his life, not because there weren't difficulties, but simply because of faith. So it leads us to four things I wanted to leave you with that were really practical help for me. God can use the test in your life. And you might be sitting here thinking, man, I don't have a test. I don't know what you're talking about. Just hold on. Because life has a way, right? Right? God can use this test to direct you. God may want to redirect your path. He has something for you. And you're off here dabbling in stuff that you have no business being involved in. And God said, I love you so much. I don't want to leave you there because I have something so much better for you. So he may redirect your life. God can use this test to inspect you. Oh, I hate that. I don't want God to inspect me because I got stuff. I got stuff in my life. And God is saying, let me have it, man, because I know what's best for you. Look, I know everything that's going on in your life, and I'm not leaving. So tests come because he wants to inspect something. Why? God can use this test that you're going through to protect you. God only knows that on this side of heaven, we don't know what God was doing to protect us. But only when we get to heaven, we'll be able to see this wonderful tapestry that God is producing where it may seem like chaos right now. And God certainly can use this test to perfect you. Isn't that great? God wants us to be more like Jesus. He just wants us to be more like him. And so he may take us through a test so that it builds this unshakable faith. How many of us here want change? How, how many of us really want to see God do something amazing where the only thing we could do is stand back so man could get no credit for anything that God is doing to stand back that God does something so huge that only thing we could stand back and say is God did this. It wasn't because of any person. It wasn't because of any group. It wasn't even because of any church. It, it's not our passion that, that, that everybody knows Mission Viejo Christian Church in our city. As much as we want everybody to know the name of Jesus, we want his name to be famous. So 2,000 years ago, God gave his son. You know, scholars, those who study archaeologists, know that Mount Moriah was where now the city of Jerusalem sits. And if you go back there, some of you back, back to the Holy Land, Mount Moriah, they believe is the very same place that Abraham took his son Isaac. And now there's a cross standing with God's one and only son who's hanging there. Why? Because he wants your life. He loves you. He wants not only relationship with you here, but he wants relationship with you for eternity. And he did everything possible. And just in that moment, there was no angel to stop the hand 
that was going to throw the spear into Jesus' side. As Abraham's faith was tested and he came through with flying colors, but in this moment, there was no one to stop the hand that would take the son of God, his life. Aren't you glad that Jesus gave his own life so that we could have life here eternal? The imagery is beautiful throughout the Old Testament. Every page of the scripture leads to the cross. Every page of the scripture leads to the Messiah, to the Son of God, the one that we believe in. He's our hero. He's the one. And when he wrestled hours before he hung on the cross in the Garden of Gethsemane, didn't want to physically go to the cross. That was a test for Jesus. God put him through that test. And of course, the words that came out of Jesus' mouth from his heart was not my will, but yours be done. I don't know where this lands for us today, but I just, I just got to believe that some of us in here are going through something that we just feel like we cannot do it. And I want to say you can through God. And he is there and he will see you through. And knowing these principles that God took everything that Abraham was and is created him to be, God saw him through the test. So we're just leave us with a couple of action points that as the worship team is going to come and as we wind this thing down, I I just want to give us a place to really reflect on this and think about this. And God, where am I in all of this? Because I want to have, God, an unshakable faith. Number one is to just be faithful with what he told you to do. If God asks you to do something, God wants us to be faithful. That doesn't mean that we won't wrestle with it. It doesn't mean that we might have some questions. It doesn't mean that we may misstep along the way, but ultimately God wants us to follow through and he will be there to give us everything that we need, which leads to number two and the last one, to realize that nothing in your life is wasted. Nothing. God can use anything. Say, you don't know, man, I've just failed so many times. We all have. But God can use that. He can use that. To bring him, his spirit, to somebody who may desperately need the good news of Jesus Christ. So God, I thank you so much for giving us these real life accounts. They're not stories. I thank you, Jesus, that by your hand, your spirit, these men and women that wrote these pages down, was real life stuff. And we just thank you for bringing us back to, once again, Abraham taking his son. In the most difficult test of his life. I just thank you God. That he passed the test. God for anyone here that might be. Questioning or struggling. Or going through something that quite honestly. God I don't want to do this. I thank you for the reminder God. That you are faithful. You are faithful. And maybe those are just the words. That we needed to be reminded of. This morning. God, as we center around the very last thing that you did with your disciples before you hung between heaven and earth, God, as you had this meal with them and you told them, guys, I want you to do this in remembrance of me. Thank you for that 1 Corinthians passage that even Paul himself recounted those words that you said, God. 
that in the very same way, God, we recommit our faith to you this morning. We thank you for the blood that was shed on Calvary. Thank you. The very same place, God, thank you for the reminder that you all, you had all this orchestrated, God, so that we could meet you. So God, I would just ask in this moment of silence, this moment of quietness, that the very decision would be made in our heart, God. Yes. Thank you for this bread and this juice that reminds us of the sacrifice that you gave, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for joining us at Mission Vale Christian Church. Just know that we always have live services here every Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. We'd love to have you here, and we'll see you next time.